And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her unto him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversities were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. A blind church and a crippled woman. Why a blind church? Why a crippled woman? The woman is the type of a powerless world or a world under bondage. The leader or the ruler of the synagogue is a man that is blind. For 18 years, this woman was getting in and out of the synagogue. Maybe he thought, old age, as everybody does when they see people. Maybe he just thought, were and tear, but never took the time to address this woman to find out what was her problem. If we observe these verses, we can see that Jesus observed everything that was taking place in the synagogue. And just as he observed everything in his day, he observes everything that is taking place in our day. Listen to what Proverbs 15 and 3 has to say. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There's a nice saying, when in Rome do what the Romans do. And then you hear people turning around and say, what takes place in Spain, leave it in Spain. Well, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. He observes everything. There is nothing that goes under God's radar, not in the church, nor in the world. For everything that is done in the dark will be brought to the light. And so it was concerning the synagogue and its leadership. First hand may not say much to you, but it does to me. Jesus kept the Sabbath. He was not away playing golf in the morning, nor watching the match in the evening. From, from an early age, he was about his father's business. And the 30 plus years, he was still preaching the kingdom message in order to reach those that are lost. And where should they hear it but in the church? And this is why it, it, its doors should not be closed morning or evening. A woman said to me a couple of weeks ago, 
Does it not tell us where the two or the three are gathered together that Jesus is in the midst? So then we're having church. And that is the truth, brothers and sisters. We should be in God's house, whether it's the two, whether it's the three. And Scripture two and three always witness, so the two is always a witness. That's why even concerning the gifts, we have two or at the most three. They're always a witness to God's truth. The only times of God's house should be closed is when God himself closes it, just as he did with the ark. And that will only happen at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, what the word says, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and called and could in no wise lift up herself. Can you see this woman walking in the church every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, and her face looking down at the ground because she couldn't straighten herself? This was because she had a spirit of infirmity. I'm just getting my watch off here so I don't run out, run out of time. Because the church of Bazaar was preaching in the church a couple of weeks ago. And normally, because we're a 30-minute church, they're a bit longer. And at the end of the, the night when I went down and the girl says to me, I enjoyed that. She says, but I thought you were only getting started. <laughs> After 30 minutes, you know. So, <laughs> Praise the Lord, there you are. That's good. <laughs> so you aren't going home for tea tonight. You are getting it here. <laughs> this woman is a perfect picture of the world. It's sick with sin. It cannot help itself. It is intoxicated with alcohol, drugs, lust, money, and much more. And the church does not have the answer because there are those who indulge in these things and profess Christ, yet deny him by how they live. Deny him by how they live. The world is sick, brothers and sisters. It's very sick. And it's bound by sin. And these people are powerless. Remember, they're in darkness. And they can't find their way out. And you and I are meant to be light. When you're in the darkness, what will attract you to itself? Light. And we are meant to be the light of the world, revealing the gospel of Jesus Christ to men and to women. The world needs us. It may mock us. It may laugh at us. It may ridicule us. But the world needs us. And we need to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. What, well, excuse me. Well, what is the answer for the church so that the church can give its answer to the world? Imitate Jesus. Not the world, you and me. Imitate Jesus. This is what Paul the Apostle did. And God used him mightily. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 says this. Be ye followers of me, even 
as I am also of Christ. You know, I remember reading a book about a person that was turning around and explaining what that actually meant about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in the, Jew, the Jewish way, what they did was this. The rabbi's disciples imitated everything he did. Even walked in the street the same way he walked. And brothers and sisters, are we walking the same way Jesus walked? Are we imitating him? Because that's what the word followers here means. Imitate. Anybody can follow, but to imitate is a different thing. Are you, am I, imitating Christ? No sense in turning around and saying to the world, but Paul says, look at me. Be an imitator of me as I am of Christ if we are living wrong. The word followers here means imitator. And I believe if the church were to imitate Christ as Paul the apostle says, like Paul, we could say to this woman, as Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians 2, and chapter verse 4, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The church doesn't have it. I hear a lot of talk about it. I don't see it. What is evidence? Something you know, something you see. And Jesus left his mark, and he left his witnesses. And the reason why the disciples were prepared to lay down their lives, because they were witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. And that's why they give themselves. Even Paul, when Paul turned around and said to young Timothy, when he turned around and was explaining about his death was at hand, he says he was being offered up or he was pouring himself out. Why? Why? He had kept the faith. He had finished his course and he knew that there was a crown laid up for him. But he says not only for him only. Paul wasn't one of these many people who thought of themselves. Because remember, he's in a dungeon and he's about to be beheaded and see concerning Peter when Peter went to jail what happened the church was praying for him there's no mention of Paul being prayed for there's no mention of him even asking for prayer not at all his concern was for the work for the church for the people and that should be that of any true leader. His main thing should be the sheep. Feed the sheep. Look out for the sheep. Take care of the sheep. Watch the sheep. But I'm feeling down today. Tough. Tough. I'm feeling sick. Tough. We all get sick. We all get down. We all on a roller coaster. But we still have to get up and face the day. And that's what the Lord Jesus had to do. And that's what Paul the Apostle had to do. And brothers and sisters, don't thank me unkind, but this is what you have to do. Get up and get on with it. Different wee message than from this morning, isn't it? <laughs> you know? This woman, 
who I am using as a type of the world, needs to see Christ in the church so that she will want to come in, bowing over, not with sickness, but with repentance, a church preaching the old-fashioned gospel. No gimmicks. The word gimmick in the Oxford Dictionary speaks of a trick or a device intended to attract attention rather than fulfill a useful purpose. Well, brothers and sisters, we have a useful purpose, and we do not need gimmicks. What we need is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our ministry, anointing us and touching us. What did Jesus say in the synagogue in Mark, or in, sorry, in Luke 4 and 18? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. To preach what? The gospel. To speak of who? The gospel message is of the kingdom of God. We have to preach the kingdom. We have to give the right message. And if we preach God's message, then God is obligated as he was concerning the disciples to confirm the word with signs following. And what are these signs? Men and women coming to Christ. That's what we want to see. That's what we need to see. That's what we long to see. And we can see it. If we, and it's been mentioned this morning, Wednesday evening there, and the Wednesday evening before, if we as a church will become unified. The church is not about division, and yet there's division in churches. All churches, all churches have their problems and have their issues. But I says to you this morning, listen to you, you may not agree with me and I may not agree with you, but that doesn't say we can work together. We can't work together to serve God. We are to work together, not against. When you work against something, brothers and sisters, you will create. Peter spoke about pride this morning. He mentioned pride. You will create the opposition. You will do that. So you make sure and I make sure what we are doing is in God's plan, God's will, and God's purpose. And then we will see what God will do. That's not what you're looking for, for God to move, for the Spirit of God to move. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm asking for. I ask God every day to break me where he needs to break me. Evan Roberts, one of the great evangelists of the Welsh Revival, he used to to be heard praying in the meeting, Lord, bend me. You see, pride's a hard thing to bend in as well. It's a hard thing to bend. See, when you give it to Christ, he knows what to do with it. He knows. And not only that, people say, I hear people say, God hates pride. Yeah. That's true. And God hates those that create division in his house. God is against those things too. So he is. This woman, as I have said, I am using her as a type of the world. But I also use the man as a leader that's blind. A leader that's blind. Can leaders be blind? Well, Jesus spoke of the leadership of Judah. And he says of the blind lead the blind. Both will fall into a ditch. Well, I don't want to fall into a ditch. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to fall into a ditch. 
I want to be able to turn around and bring people to Christ. And we can only do that through the preaching of the gospel. Churches will turn to such gimmicks, as I have said, because it does not have the power of God. God's Spirit working in and through it, but God gives us the answer if we will look for them. Zechariah 4 and 6 tells us this, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. You think it's you, brother? Think again. You think it's you, sister? Think again. If he doesn't do it, you won't do it. Except the Lord build the house, they that build it, labor in vain. Did you hear what it says? They that build it, it's built, but it was built in vain. God's not going to bless it. God's not going to bless it. But when he builds it, it's a different story. Just as Zerubbabel called, could not, sorry, could not build the temple with military might nor political power, he would complete it under the power of the Holy Spirit. The same way God will build his church by filling men and women with the Holy Spirit and position them in the body where they will be most effective. Peter spoke about that this morning. I was going home and I was kind of laughing around it and I says, Leonard, imagine being an eye and falling out with somebody who's a finger and they go, <laughs> because there's people like that in the church. Let's be honest. There are people like that. Then, Phil Gaten, David Rennie were speaking this morning, and they were talking about Bible thumpers, and I says, well, can I say this? I say, I see the gospel no matter what's why it's preached. Now, I know it has to be preached in love, but there are people who preach it in different ways. So there is. There are people who are timid. There are people who are bolder. I says, well, what do you think of John the Baptist turning around and saying to the Pharisees, snakes? <laughs> You'd want to lynch him, wouldn't you? But he was one of the mightiest servants of God had. You see, it's not really, in a sense, how you say it. Now, there's people say it's, it's how you say it. It's not really. Because God knew what he was picking when he picked you. And God knew what was going to come out of your mouth before you said it. And God knows how to anoint you when you don't know how to receive the anointing. The woman who entered the synagogue that day may have been attending it for many years. No one praying much or paying much attention. Just looking, seeing her coming and going, thinking nothing of her condition. But we are told in verse 12, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. Kenneth Woose, in his expanded translation, put, put it like this. Jesus called her and said to her, Woman, you have been released from your infirmity and the cure is permanent. 
No half-heartedness with the Lord Jesus Christ. No, do you want to be touched? Whoop. Nothing like that. No turn around and saying, brother, save you doubt on your way out. Your healing's away. That's not Jesus. He heals. And it's permanent healing. No self-proclaimed prophet telling her that she's healed as long as she believes. And if she doubts, she will lose her healing. This would cost a person to, or cause a person to live in fear when the, when the Bible teaches that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Jesus lays hands on this woman. Immediately, she was made straight and glorified God. Immediately. Oh, when you go home, maybe in three days, you're going to be okay. A week later, oh, give it another three days. No brothers and sisters. See, when God gives a word to a man or to a woman, there's going to be results. There's going to be results. See, if there's not, God didn't give them the word. For 18 years, this woman had a carved, a carverted spine or a carved spine. And the minute she was healed, Jesus is criticized by the ruler of the synagogue. No thanking God, no rejoicing for the woman, just indignation towards the Lord Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day. He was a director of services. And yet, he could not direct his heart to praise God for this miracle. But note, the ruler was not against healing. For he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore, come and be healed. Note that. He wasn't against healing. He was for healing. He told them to come. What was his problem? He says, and not on the Sabbath day. We cannot judge him for his religious conviction, although it was misplaced. For it was not man that did the healing on the Sabbath, but God who is Lord over it. You hear that? It wasn't man that done the healing, but God who is over it. In John chapter 14, Philip the disciple wanted Jesus to show them the Father. And in verses 9 and 10, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? How did Philip, along with the rest of the disciples, see the Father when they were with Jesus? Let's read verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, 
but the Father that dwelleth in me. Now listen. He doeth the works. Jesus didn't say, like most men would say, I did the work. He says, he doeth the work. Why? Christ was speaking of deity. Humanity, did he not say, I can do nothing of myself? Well, then how did you do it? When men genuinely lay hands on the sick and there is a genuine healing, how did they do it? They didn't. They were the vessel. They were the instrument. The Spirit of God in them worked through them and done the healing. That's how it happens. It's not me laying hands on you and me healing you. I can't heal you. I can't heal me. But God can. That's when it happens. Today, too many preachers, and I watch things on social media, and I just feel that there's too many preachers thinking, this is me. Do you know what they would think of? King Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. Do you remember he looked out from his balcony and he looked over everything and he sees the city? And he goes, what a great fellow I am. I've filled all this. And then the next thing, the voice comes. And the kingdom's taken from him. And he's like a beast in the field for seven years. And God brings him back. And God tells him a wee story. He says, I want you to know this. I rule in the kingdom of men. And God rules in the church. Peter spoke about the members this morning. The parts of the body. But it is the head that rules. It's the head that rules. The ruler has just lost his argument concerning the law. Because that's what he was quoting. The law. For it was not Jesus the man that healed the woman but the eternal spirit that dwelt in the man. Jesus says that the Father doeth the works. If Jesus had a broke God's law, then Jesus would have not been able to make himself, or sorry, would have made himself an unworthy sacrifice that would not have been accepted by God. You hear that? But Hebrews 10 and 12 tells us this. But this man... You see, the scriptures speaks of a man when it's death. This man doesn't say this God because God cannot die. Yet the man that died on the cross was God. But God cannot die because remember the scriptures tells us that he offered himself up by the eternal spirit. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. And we know that the right hand of God speaks about his power and his authority. And Jesus was able to say, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
as the Lamb of God, Jesus would offer himself unto God to secure the eternal salvation of the whosoever will repent and call on his name. Listen to 1 John 2 and verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For the sins of the whole world. But it's the whosoever that will be saved. Because it's the whosoever calls. It's the whosoever repents. And men and women need to repent. I mix this message up a wee bit because there was something said to me, and that's what made me do it, in case you're wondering why I'm bringing a wee bit of repentance on. I'm not telling you to repent, brothers and sisters, unless you just need to. You know? And I'm not loving it, Diane McCulloch either, so I'm not going to say that. Remember, the woman in our story is a type of the world who responded when Jesus called her to himself. And it is through the preaching of the gospel that Jesus calls to the world in order to be saved. She was in the right place at the right time. And whether you are sitting in a church building or on Facebook, you are in the right place at the right time to hear the call of Christ for your life. There was no argument, no refusal. She answered the call and experience the power of God. Woman, thou art loose from my infirmities. The night Christ saved you, brother. The night Christ reached you, sister. I don't know where you were. I knew where I was. I was set free. I was set free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed, because those things that I was in bondage to, I have never returned. Why? I hear people saying, I can't keep it. No, you can't keep it. But he keeps you. He keeps you. What a gospel. What a message we have to preach to this world and to give to people and to tell them about Jesus Christ. And yet, we're like today through political correctness. Get that big bit of tape and stuck over our mouth and we're silent. We're scared to speak in case we offend. Jesus offended Jesus wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. And he did. He says, think that I have come to bring peace. He says, no. I've come to bring a sword. I've come to set brother against brother. Families against families. There shall be three in a house, say. One shall be uh, at war with the other two. And I said, and I thought about that. And I says, Lord, what were, you, what, what were you meaning about that there? And I think it's because there would be those who would accept Christ in the family and those who would reject him. Because remember what he says. Your foes can be them of your own family. I was preaching a fortnight ago up in, up in a, a, a wee church in Mount Vernon. So I was. And I seen my brother, he was the pastor, and I seen him looking at his watch. So I thought, and I was amazed because he, he likes to preach for a bit, so he does. You know, he would remind you of the late James Connolly and Jim McCollum, boys like that there. You know, 50 minutes to an hour is a good thing for him, so it is. You know, he doesn't like this 30-minute thing, so he doesn't. And I seen him looking at his watch, and I says, 
I said, what are you looking at your watch for? And he kind of jumped and, you know, and at the end of the service, at the end of the service, uh, I have to be honest, he got up like Dell Boy, so we did. You know, and here he was. Oh, I was just looking at my watch because the church bought me as so I did for the 10th anniversary. And I'm just looking at it. He may right. <laughs> Very good. You know. Praise God. I mean, he ends up watching this. I'm in trouble. <laughs> he probably not asked me back. <laughs> you know. So. Where am I? Gonna have to stop telling jokes. As I says, this woman was in the right place at the right time. Do you think if it was a Sunday morning and she'd have stayed in bed? I'm tired. I'll just have a wee lion. I can watch a service online later. And Jesus was there and he didn't come back to that synagogue. Should have never got that healing. As I said, if she went for a wee game of golf, well, she wouldn't be going for a wee game of golf bent over. Oh, well, you do bend over when you're playing golf. <laughs> so, you say, you know. And uh, I know I'm making a bit of light of things, but the gospel's serious. Because, brothers and sisters, I say this all the time. There are people perishing. There are people dying. And our loved ones will die. And they will perish. But we can't win them for Christ. And this is where the gospel lies. Very serious. Jesus is a chain breaker. Whether you're hooked on drugs, alcohol, lust, gambling, or whatever, Jesus can set you free. Now this is me talking to me. Preacher, what about the tyrus? the murderer, the prostitute, will God forgive them? Will God forgive them? The world won't forgive. But listen to Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 12 and 31, Wherefore I say unto you, if you're unsaved, here's Christ's answer to you. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. Preacher, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? In the same chapter, Matthew 12, verses 22 to 24, the people brought unto Jesus a man that was possessed by a demon so that he could not speak nor see. When Jesus cast out the demon, the man was able to see and speak like the ruler of the synagogue. Instead of praising God, they began to accuse Jesus that the power wherewith he was casting out devils was the power of Beelzebul are the prince of the devils. But all manner of sin, the Lord's willing to forgive. This was blasphemy, our vilification, speaking evil of God 
by putting his work down to the work of Satan. The sinner has no excuse. And, and just to give you hope, Jesus said in John 6 and 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him, our whore, that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that brilliant? Eh? What would have happened the night you call and a wee voice says, take yourself off? But no, that's not Jesus. He means what he says. And he says what he means. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 7 says that there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. The timing of Christ was spot on. And the result confirms it. Woman, thou art loose from my infirmity. But in contrast, the ruler of the synagogue spoke out. When? It would have been better for him to be silent. As in our times, brothers and sisters, we open our mouths and really, we should have kept quiet. There is times like that. There's times I have felt I have done that. And I've asked God's forgiveness. So I have. I am sure there have been times we said something and wished we had a cab quiet. Well, I believe that the ruler of the synagogue had one of those moments when he wished he had a cab quiet. For just as Jesus was in tune to the woman's sickness and its cause, he was in tune to the ruler's hypocrisy. Peter, I hope you're not looking at your watch because I'm a wee bit, I know I'm a wee bit over time, but I'll not be long. Another 30 minutes you'd see me. <laughs> well, Pastor Albus here the night, he'd probably be sitting with a big hook. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but he says to, to, to Hugh earlier on when he says to me, 20 minutes, I says, Hugh, an hour and 20 minutes. I says, if the Holy Ghost falls, and I says, you won't care how long it is, neither will I. And neither will you. Woman, thou art loose. But in contrast, the ruler of the synagogue spoke out when it would have been better if he had been silent. Luke 13, to verse 15 to 16 says this. The Lord then answered him and said, thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to the watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, did you hear? Jesus knew. I wouldn't have knew. You know. You see, brothers and sisters, you know what we need? The discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. You ever see a doctor? You hold an x-ray up, you see everything. She was just like an x-ray when he was looking at her. He's seen everything and he's seen the cause of it. He saw the cause of it. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham who sent and had bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? I can picture some of today's pastors and even Christians saying to Jesus, you can't call the director of services a hypocrite. And Jesus turning to them with those piercing eyes 
I'm revealing even their hypocrisy. I'm revealing even their hypocrisy. What did Jesus mean when he called the ruler of the synagogue a hypocrite? Jesus got to the point with his rebuke. He called him and all alike actors on the stage of life playing the role of that which you are not. That's what an actor does. He plays something that he's not. It's like the harling. He tends to the sheep until trouble comes and then he runs off. Some actors are better than others. Some can play their part very well. So well that they can deceive people into believing that they are genuine. But they are wolves in sheep's clothing. And Jesus exposes them for what they are. Hypocrites playing on the road of life. Actors, I'm coming to your close, brothers and sisters. I know I've been a wee bit long-winded tonight. But I'll be a wee bit more long-winded the next time. So, you know. So, and here's I'm going to finish. In verse 17, as I come to a close, we read, And when he had said these things, all his adversities were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. It is amazing how that it is always religious people that find fault with Jesus and the works that he did and is still doing this day. It is such people that can hinder people entering into the kingdom of God. Jesus said of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verses 13 to 15. And again, I will quote from Kenneth Wu's translation. But woe to you men, learnt, listen to this, learnt in the scriptures and Pharisees, actors on the stage of life, playing the role of something which you are not because you bar the entrance into the kingdom of heaven before men. For as for you, you are not entering. Neither are you permitting those who are desiring to enter to go in. That's powerful. Am I stopping anybody from come, wanting to come to Christ? Is history repeating itself? that people refuse to go to church because they see Christians living double lives and thinking to themselves that Christians are bigger hypocrites than they are? Whatever the case may be, Jesus said no hypocrite would enter this, his kingdom. We see that his adversities are put to shame, but the people that witnessed the healing of the woman and seeing the courage of Christ in his rebuke to the ruler of the synagogue, lifted up their voices and rejoiced and praised God. It's not good. It's not good. People rejoice. And here's what Jesus says. And I'm just finishing off with this. Because like it says, it was something was said to me, and so I decided to put a few things in. And if you are unsaved, Jesus can forgive you right where you are. All you have to do is repent. 
on, listen, obey his word. I hear people say, just say I'll be proud of faith. No, no, that's not it. Repent, well, that's not just it either, that's part of it. How do you work out, I charter? Well, let's listen to the Lord Jesus and see how he worked it out. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. What happens when a sinner repents? He or she confesses their sin unto God who for Christ's sake will forgive them. Then they must read and believe the word and put it into practice every day of their life. This will show through repentance. Just as Jesus called the woman to himself, who I said was a type of the world that calls or that call goes out to all the world. Matthew 11 and verse 28 says this, and I'm definitely closing. And I'm sorry I kept you a wee bit longer than normal. I might get the rest of the notes right there. You know, but I am. Um, because I, I personally, I don't like to run over my time. But I just felt there was something to say. Matthew 11 and 28. Here's what Jesus says. Doesn't matter what state your life is. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you're at. Listen to what he says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, people are growing weary with the burdens that governments and these rich companies are placing on them. More and more people are turning to food banks. The world finds itself in a trap, and the only answer for this world is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to sort out the mess that man has made. That is the answer, brothers and sisters, and God bless each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Praise God.